If you have an unquenchable thirst to crush your bucket list, relentlessly pursue your dreams, and live life on your own terms, then turn up the volume and tune in. You're now listening to Zeph and Moses Blacksburg on the Year of Purpose podcast. This episode of the Year of Purpose is brought to you by our brand new book, Life Rescripted. Find your purpose and design your dream life before the curtains close. If you want to be the first in line to receive a free digital copy from me, all you have to do is head on over to www.liferescriptedbook.com to find out more. Hey everyone, this is Zephan Blacksburg, and today I am joined by the South African-born Mamika Cooney, and she is a TV host, published author, speaker, business, branding, and video marketing expert. Mamika's passion is helping entrepreneurs attract their perfect clients and position their brand for higher sales by sharing her branding and marketing expertise. She has run four successful businesses in three different countries, and she's the host of Mamika TV, a web TV show that inspires entrepreneurs to build a brilliant business brand. She has been an award-winning photographer for 12 years in two countries, has authored two books, and is a public speaker, and has experience as a live television broadcaster. Mamika runs a branding and marketing agency offering consulting and executive coaching for experts, speakers, coaches, and authors. How are you doing today? Well, I'm so glad to have for you to have me on your show, and I'm so glad to be able to talk to other like-minded entrepreneurial creatives. So this is going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely, and we're both kind of in the video world, so I know that we have a lot in common there. I know that before we hit the recording, you were like looking in the background to see what was going on, <laughs> if anything was going to distract anybody. So I, I'm always a fan of people who are like concerned with what's going on in the picture because. I've had people before where we jump on the show and uh, for everyone tuning in, we do this both video and audio. So if you ever wanted to watch us, you can actually go to our YouTube channel, but they've had stuff in the background going on. (laughs) Don't you love the fan that sticks out the The fan or like, you know, the dog (laughs) sitting in the windowsill. (laughs) So there's always something, but thank you so much for being here today. And wow, so 12 years, a winning photographer in two different countries. There's got to be some sort of story behind how you got started in all of this. Uh, you told me that um, you've had an interesting adventure so far. So I'm curious to hear, how did you even get into the whole world of entrepreneurship and running a business for yourself? Well, definitely. I mean, where do we start, right? Well, as you can tell, I'm fr- um, not from around these parts. I'm South African. I grew up in South Africa, actually under apartheid. So I had was very interesting from a cultural perspective, looking at things. Now, my dad, who's Greek, he's been a serial entrepreneur my whole life. I remember these youngest four sitting in the office. We always had the office at home, answering the phone, Mika Construction, good day, because he named the company after me. So for me, I just grew up with business, always knowing you know the entrepreneurial highs and the entrepreneurial lows, the feasts, the famines. And one thing I certainly learned from my dad is no matter what the circumstances, politically, business, economically, you just keep going. You just keep plowing along. And, and us South Africans are kind of stubborn that way. And, you know, having grown up in a country where the rest of the world forgot about us, you know, we couldn't do import export. If there wasn't, you couldn't just hop to the store and buy anything that was available or have Amazon deliver. There was no such thing as home deliveries. You needed to make things. You needed to create something out of nothing. And I think that sort of ethos has followed me through my whole life where uh, my husband and I, who's also South African, we met and married in South Africa, had my first child in South Africa. And we started a web design company back in when the internet first came out. This was like 
96, 97. And I remember thinking, wow, this is going to change the world. At the time, I actually was working in a TV production company on air promotions um, for our local TV station. And um, I just love, fell in love with the whole medium of media, TV, um, visuals. Um, and for me, I've always been an artist at heart, loving painting and drawing and sketching and dancing. So for me, that kind of like environment really interests me. So when the internet came around and I saw this as a great opportunity to be able to create something. So I decided then I would create my own web design company. So for a couple of years, my husband and I um, worked together on that. And then we had the opportunity to move from South Africa to England to take his business on a wider scale. Because the thing is, growing up in South Africa under those circumstances, you know, the rest of the world didn't think we had anything to offer. And we felt to be able to compete on a more global scale, we had to be either based in the US or somewhere in Europe. And luckily enough, we have European heritage, so we were able to go to England, and we lived there for six years, and we reestablished his business, and then that's when I also fell in love with photography. And, you know, when you're doing something out of a passion, and you could just do it for free, it's kind of hard to charge for it and make a business out of it. But I think coming from a business background really helped me think, okay, I really want to become a photographer full-time. I really want to be able to do this as my passion and as my career, and there's certain things I knew I had to do in order to establish and create a career. Um, and then I started that, so that was about, we had about four years, and then we had the opportunity again to move my husband's internet business to the USA. And having learned a ton of mistakes and learned a lot of lessons along the way, I then came to the US, rebranded, started all over again, and started my um, photography business. And that was about nine years ago. Very so nice. Far, yeah, so fast forward there, nine years, we're here in Charlotte, North Carolina. We now have a third child. I forgot to mention my second child was born in England. So I have a South African, a British, and an American child. Oh, yes. no, totally colorful. And, um, and even since the nine years we've lived here, I've pivoted, learned to readjust, and change my business model where now I teach other people entrepreneurship, business, and branding. And um, everything's come full circle. So that's where we are now. Very nice. And so I have to ask, are you a Canon or an Icon person? Because being I a am a Canon. Okay, good, yes. good. Because I, I have all Canon gear right in front of me. <laughs> exactly. Although I always go back and forth. I always think Nikon has really good glass in terms of the lenses. And, you know, sometimes Canon gets ahead and then Nikon gets ahead. And then Sony pops its head up now and again. But once you pick a, 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 a style or a brand, it's very difficult to switch. So I've been a Canon for about 10 years now. So, yeah, that's where we're at. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I've always liked Nikon glass, but Canon cameras. So a quick funny story about that. When I had a, a gig working in the White House one time, uh, we were sh we were shooting with, uh, I guess, Department of Homeland Security. And the guy I was working with, uh, you know, just told me, you know, meet me tomorrow. We'll take the train to D.C. and uh, we've got a gig in the White House. OK, cool. And uh, we get there and he pulls out all of his gear and he hands me this big Nikon camera. And I've been using Canon for like 10 years now. And I'm like, I don't know how this works. And you probably know this, that Nikon cameras, a lot of their lenses focus the opposite direction. Yes, it's like so, having been left-handed. It's like, oh my gosh, I've got to learn everything backwards now. Exactly. And so I had to learn quick because it's like, look, you're in the White House. Like you need to make this work. You don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that you've seen a lot of that in just your business and in life of, you know, you're handed this thing very quickly and you've got to learn and figure out what to do with it. And much like you said with uh, how it was in South Africa, you know, you have to make something out of nothing. 
And so I'm curious to hear maybe a little bit more about just where your creativity is, has come from in that and, and what it's like to really make something from nothing. I know that some of our listeners are, you know, curious to, to make a business and uh, have no idea what to do because they just, you know, they work a job. Maybe they're sitting on a computer all day or, you know, filing paperwork or whatever, but it has nothing to do with, you know, a profitable business. So how do you you know, just start with nothing and figure out where to go from there. Definitely. Well, those are some very good questions and somewhere that I've been several times before. And for me, it's like when you're in a day job and that you can't stand and you're doing something that takes the life out of you, you you know, you, you have to be motivated to get up in the morning and have that passion because when you, you feel passion with perseverance and, you know, that can-do attitude, you can really do a lot. So the first, my first steps of advice was, you know, Say you're sitting in the cubicle, you really want to quit the day job, but you kind of don't know what you want to do, but you know there's something. There's usually some signs along the way. I call them like little pebbles along the beach. You know, life is a, is a journey along a beach, and sometimes we, you know, we find pebbles that are either can be negative and we can pick them up and make them hold us down, or we can use those to help other people. So if you've experienced something, for instance, an example of one of the clients that I've worked with, you know, she was um, also working a day job in corporate America, was really unhappy with the hours, hated having to put her children in daycare, didn't want to have to be doing that all the time and commuting. And she'd gone through a very nasty divorce. And what she'd realized, she'd learned a lot of things about, you know, positive mindset and working through that. And now she's repositioned herself to be able to coach other women who are going through a divorce. So sometimes it's not necessarily something that you go to school for. It's something that presents itself along the way that you find either a passion for or you find, and it's usually something that you feel that you could just do for free, that you just enjoy doing it. Um, and then it doesn't feel like work. And then once you have a good idea of what it is that you can offer, obviously your services and your skills play a good mind, uh, good you know, in the equation. You've got to figure that out. First step you need to do is start to look at the market. Like if this is your business idea, say you want to become a coach and you don't really know where to start. You need to start researching and think, what are other coaches doing? What is the business model? Is this the kind of business model I want? Because here's another thing, just throwing yourself into designing a business based on somebody else is a very bad idea. Like, And I've done this myself with my own photography business. I thought, well, I love photography and I really want to do this as a full-time job. So what do other photographers do? Oh, they shoot weddings, right? So let me go shoot weddings. So as it was the first step, that probably was the worst thing to do because it's and well, worse than the best thing because it kind of it taught me how to think on my feet. I had to learn lighting very quickly, but you were in pressure situation that I knew I had to get the shot. I couldn't miss the shot. But at the same time, trying to base my business model on somebody else's was very bad because for me, I eventually realized after three years of being a wedding photographer that I was hitting burnout. I didn't like being away on weekends. I was missing out my kids. They were like two and four. They were still little. I was spending the whole week editing images until like one, two in the morning. I hadn't designed my business around my lifestyle and I ended up finding my business was running me. So a lot of the time we need to think about what is the kind of lifestyle we want? What are the hours we want to work? How do we want our business to fit into our life? So if you don't want to be commuting all the time, you want to find a business model that maybe helps you be able to work from home, you know, coaching, consulting, um, you know, you could do things. Technology now is awesome. We've got technology enough at our fingertips that make things so easy for you to start your own business and just creating those connections. So once you have a spark of an idea, it's to, it's to start to look at it and then start to look at yourself. What do you have to offer the world that you can monetize? 
And I think you actually brought up one of the big principles that I learned just in photography. And I was very fortunate that I think I was one of the last generations to be able to do darkroom photography and actually yes. learn what it was like. <laughs> Me to... too, 2003, just before digital came out. Exactly. Exactly. Totally That's... different mindset. So when I was, I'm guessing I was probably in middle school at the time, but I took darkroom photography. And it's, it's very interesting to learn that style because there's so much more effort that goes into each picture. And, you know, you can only take... 24 or so pictures and if you messed up and you know left a lens cap on you're in trouble um it's not the same as digital photos where you can actually see what the picture is going to look like before you even snap it off um and so one of the big things that i learned was that uh, you should look at what everyone else is looking at and do the opposite so when i first started shooting events and weddings you'll actually notice that a lot of the times if there were other photographers there or people just taking pictures on their phones i was actually in the complete opposite direction of them because i was getting a whole different story from the other side of the room um much like you know at a wedding where everyone is facing the bride and groom and trying to take a picture of you know the rings being put on or the kiss well i actually would stand behind the altar and have a totally different perspective on it and actually a much better one because you can see the rings being put on much better the way that people hold their hands it just mm -hmm. it works out better so i think you inadvertently brought up an amazing principle there that i've really kind of lived by is look at what everyone else is doing and then kind of do the opposite maybe not mm -hmm. word for word but if you go out there and do what everyone else is doing uh nothing really sets you apart from anybody else yeah and then it's really hard to compete because then what happens is when you become you're doing what everybody else is you become a commodity and the only way a commodity can uh, compete is on price and who wants to win that war right the race to the bottom mm, not fun so that's why I, I've, in all this journey of my business models, and I've realized time and time again, like when I started my web design firm, when I started my photography businesses, when I've started my consulting businesses and my coaching model, I've realized that brand positioning and knowing how you want the world to perceive you is so vitally important. So before you just go slap up a website and start comparing yourself and pricing yourself to everybody else, is to really know what's unique to you. Because think of it this way, your business is like you're building a house. You've got to get the foundations right. You can't go put a roof on until you have the walls up. You can't put the walls up until you have the foundation right. And part of your foundation is understanding who you are, how you offer value, and then what it is that you, you want to say to the world. And that's what branding is, and a lot of people misunderstand it. A brand isn't just your name and logo. It's how people feel about you. Yeah. So if you think about, like, you know, you worked at the Apple store, right? People walk in, it's white, there's lots of clean lines, it's seamless. Apple is known for its high-quality products. I don't think people come into the Apple store to haggle with you on price, right? This is the price and this is what you pay. Right. You know, very rarely do you get a discount on an Apple product. And people know that. And they're prepared to pay higher prices for a quality product. And Apple has done a really good way of branding themselves in the mind of the consumer where it, actually there is no competition. You know, there might be similar products. There might be similar services. But when you're first to market and you position your brand in the customer's eyes, and you then can command the prices that you want. So branding to me is the first thing you want to know, be established for is knowing how you position yourself, which is everything from your, your website, your headshot photos, your logo, the font style you use. Like if you walk into, like I remember when my mom and I went to go to see Paris last year, I went to England for a conference and we are speaking at and for a day we went to go to Paris for the day and I remember walking down that one road I can't remember what it's called but you've got the Louis Vuittons and the Chanel's tiny little stores you walk in there's one display 
with one like suitcase on a, on a stand. I'm like, uh, is that it? Is that all they're offering? <laughs> but the price tag was huge. It was like, oh my gosh, we're in the wrong place here. But immediately, without anybody having, having to say anything to me, before I even had to look at the price tag, I knew this was going to be expensive because I knew Louis Vuitton suitcases are like, have their own zip code. They are like, you know, the way that they're positioned in people's minds. And that's the power of a brand. And I think a lot of business owners, especially when you're starting, you think, oh, branding's for those big companies. Like if you're an ad agency, that's the word, branding. But branding comes down to the very small parts of any business owner, whether you have a big um, corporate business or whether you're a solopreneur. Knowing how it is you want people to feel about you in the marketplace really comes before you think of any marketing strategies, before you you think of spending any money on apps and programs and downloads and and if you know how it is you want people to perceive you, then you can really lay the foundation. So eventually, once you've got the walls up and you can put the finishing touches, which is the marketing, which comes afterwards, then you know how people can um, pay you for their services. So that's exactly how I think it's a process. Yeah. One step follows the other. Yeah, and a fun little fact just about the Apple stores, and this really does come down to branding, is that uh, they ultimately, and I'm not saying that the individual entrepreneur could do this right away, but uh, Apple ultimately bought out a rock quarry in Italy uh, because they wanted the floors and all of their newest stores that were coming out to be this uh, Italian, some sort of a stone that they have at this quarry. And so they actually bought out the entire quarry, and you'll notice that when you walk into any of the newer or the red innovated stores uh, they all have this same sort of floor and much like you said the clean lines the the white walls and you know all the the hardwood tables and things like that and it's it's not just your website right like it's more of the experience of what people get out of working with you and so um, I I think that that's pretty important too is how are you making these people feel uh, by having them work with you you know it's mm-hmm. much like you said it's not just the name or the colors that you're using in your logo or the website which a lot of people make the mistake of at first is they go right for the website and they want to build the whole thing up and spend thousands of dollars mm-hmm. um, I actually know someone who built a business and I think she made her first like three hundred thousand dollars without even having a website probably like just a landing page right Exactly. And that's the thing is unless we have it, have it right and established who it is we're speaking to, because that's the other thing with people that I coach and consult with is you need to know who your client avatar is. If you don't know who she is, where she works, what she dresses, what she eats for breakfast, I mean, down to everything, you don't know who you're aiming at. Then you, any, fa- any Facebook ads you do or Google ads or website design, all of that is meaningless unless you're speaking the right language. That's why it's, you know, it's so important to know the direction you're going in have it as a, as a structure and then once you know what your brand is, it's like learning a, a language, you then are speaking to the right people. You're not just wasting your resources on things that will not move the needle for you. Exactly. So I'm wondering if maybe we could run through, let's do like a test like branding thing. Like I'm going to throw out just a topic. Uh, most people that listen to the podcast know that I'm very passionate about rowing. Uh, so I, I row on a, on a rowing club downtown on the water three times a week. Uh, we actually have in two days here, I'm prepping for a 13 mile half marathon race. Uh, and so let's say I'm really passionate about rowing, but I'm never going to become an Olympian. You know, I was, I wasn't a collegiate athlete. So that time has already passed for me. But, uh, you know, one thing I've always considered is opening up almost like a cycle studio. Like, you know, they have all the bikes lined up, but instead it would be rowers. 
Ah, well, making... I have a rowing machine upstairs. My husband, we call it the torture device. <laughs> tell you, you work every muscle, your back, your arms, your legs. When you do that, if, if the weather's bad outside and he can't go for a cycle because he loves to do mountain biking, he'll hop on the on the torture device, the rowing machine, <laughs> because then he can get the distance he, he wants to get into. But of course, you know, how, so, I mean, if we are saying, are you wanting to kind of sell the services of somebody to come in and use the studio, right? Yeah, so let's say, and I, and I want to make sure they don't see it as a torture device. I want to make them see it as something that can be fun, that can uh, be a different way to, to get into shape, and, you know, it could be something good to start your morning off with, you know, one of those classes. Definitely. So the first thing is that we were, we were putting this business model together is we would sit down and talk about who is your audience? Is your audience the man, um, the male entrepreneur who works in, and maybe he works in corporate America and he goes and sits at his desk all day. So we definitely want to appeal to help you feel more fit, even though you might not feel productive during the day. Or is it like the, the mom with kids at home and she just wants to get away for a break? Um, or is it like, um, you know, athletes who are in training so you know even though you can still get the same services out of all three of those models if you know out of all three of those those parties who you're speaking to then you can really tailor it so say if it's the male 20 something he goes off to work but he, he wants to get in a, a quick workout the nice thing about um uh, rowing is you can almost uh, half your efforts of your in other words if you go for a 30 minute ride you could probably do a 15 minute row because you're getting so much and you're getting so much cardio quickly yeah so you want to make sure that with however you position it and you market your 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 you're appealing to that like we'll help you save time but you get you fit in a fun way now one thing i've realized with the rowing machine is if you looking at the numbers of how much time you have left to row you feel like you're in so much pain but by distracting yourself you would have like my husband will put the computer up with Netflix on. So you could provide when somebody walks in, you know, it's really airy, it's got a nice clean modern look. And just like where you go to the gym with the bicycle, you would have the rowing machines maybe facing a huge big TV screen where they can watch something. So either it's a movie or you could have um, different channels on and people can watch and they can plug their earphones in. That way they're taking their minds off the pain they're in while they're getting exercise. Um, or you could have like an audio thing where they can listen to audiobooks while they, you know, they're chugging away. And then you could have um, have the facilities like if you're knowing that your your guy is going to go straight to the office, you need to have shower facilities. So enable him to change and then provide that area where maybe there's a smoothie bar so he can grab a smoothie as breakfast on the way on the commute to, to the office. So again, you're touching all the points that you know that your ideal client needs and you can then provide your branding. Now let's flip it a bit. If you were aiming for the, the mom who has kids at school, she's not going to come in at six o'clock. She's probably going to come in maybe eight or nine o'clock once the kids are in school. She's going to want more of a girly feel. She might even want to have um, more of a, instead of having lined up, she might even want to have them all facing in a circular position. So she feels like, hi, you know, she's chatting away. Maybe not watching sports is good for her, but you know, having a conversation or having, um, you know, something more girly. So again, even the layout of the store needs to be thought out carefully. So the experience, the brand is the user experience, is how she's gonna feel or he's gonna feel about you. So then if he then recommends your studio to someone else, they know exactly what to expect because your brand is promising A, B, and C. And then when people come to your website, to your store, they then know that this is what's gonna be delivered because this is your brand promise. So that's how it all works together. So we literally just built a business off of something that I just happen to do three times a week. 
I mean, right exactly. there on the spot. And I think it's really funny that you bring up uh, like having some entertainment or some form of, you know, something to get their mind off of it. Because my original thought was if you think about what Disney does with a lot of their rides, they have these like, you know, 4D interactive, you can smell it, you can taste it, you can see it. So my thinking was I'm a videographer. I know a lot of guys that fly these drones out there. What if we were able to fly a drone and film footage of what it might look like from the perspective of a boat going through the water? And so you see yourself, you know, whether it's on this race course or on this lake or whatever, you see yourself moving through the water because that for me is really what makes the experience. And that's oftentimes why I go down to the rowing club when it's sunset because I get to watch this amazing sky transformed from just you know plain blue and a couple of clouds to this orange orange pink purple you know crazy it's just like an art piece you know exactly well what it is it's gamifying your business and that's a term i've heard a lot lately especially in the growth hacking world is they talk about how do you create a better user experience so like when you go to a, a, a you watch a movie like you could watch a movie on netflix but watching it on your tv compared to watching it in the movie theater is a totally different experience. So there you go. So if you are your ideal client, you want to give them that experience. And guys, especially, I have a son, so I know this. He's addicted to gaming and all that. If you can pull him into that feeling where he feels like he's rowing and have a bit of an element of competition, this is the difference between the male and the female psyche, you see. Um, The males, you can appeal to offering them like a kind of game of where they're rowing and the faster they go, then whoever wins either speed or achievements. You could even have little trophy things on the wall. I know they sound cheesy. People will do anything for t-shirts. You could have like a t-shirt, a member of the month, you know, all these little elements of making it feel more like a community than just going to go work out and, you know, get your sweat on and be in pain. So again, that's the whole brand feel from the beginning to the end is the experience that you're going to design for your clients. Yeah, and so I really like this whole concept. Honestly, I might go off and start it. But exactly. <laughs> well, you'll have to give me credit, darling. Go, well, oh, of course. <laughs> hey, I'm going to need somebody to help me figure out what colors the building's going to look like. Because, <laughs> I mean, look, you've got a red shirt. I've got a red shirt. You have a blue wall in the back. I have a blue wall in the back. Clearly, <laughs> we, we know our stuff. Um, but, so I guess this is what's probably on some of the people's minds right now is, okay, so like, I have a passion. You gave me a clear example of how I could take this and run with it and build a business out of it. Uh, But two things come to mind, uh, money and clients. So we've got this branding down. Uh, Is it one of those things where it's like, if you build it, they'll show up? Or is it, you know, now we've got to figure out how to get that message out to the masses? Um, And and how do we, uh, how can we find money to get something like that started because obviously you know i I can't go out and buy 20 one thousand dollar rowers tomorrow morning um but you know people out there do this all the time i mean they create businesses from nothing definitely i mean and again it all depends on your business model like an offline retail business is a completely different monster to an online business of course an online business is so much cheaper quicker and easier for you to get out there because and even with retail businesses, um, is you can learn to start to test the audience and start segmenting and building a, a following or a list. So, for instance, if you're doing um, an online business, even if you might not have everything set up, at least create something that people can get an idea and start asking questions. You know, join groups and go to places and networking events that you know that your your ideal clients will be at. So, when you're starting the business, you need to do research. Now, if you're going to do more of a like your rowers, you're going to need cash, right? You need to be able to apply for funding. Now, there's several ways you can do that. You can either get a business loan. 
there are a lot of um, sort of startup loans that even uh, like say women entrepreneurs or under 30s, like I know the Forbes 30, they have some of these. Uh, if you just start researching in your local area, you might find there's a lot of sort of, um, not even loans, what do they call them? Grants, uh, grants. Yeah, yeah, like grants that you can actually apply to, to actually do that. And sometimes it, it's better to start off small and start to tweak than to go throw a whole bunch of money and have a tank. And you know, I've, I'm also involved in with my husband's business still, and he's involved in the tech startup world, the San Francisco SaaS products. You know, like, and it's all about investment, investment, angel investment, and you know, um, trying to get money so they can start a business. And what sometimes irritates me with that kind of model is like, oh, I can only do something when I get five hundred dollars. $500,000 investment. Why can't you start now? Why can't you start trying something? Because it's it's like you're rowing, right? You're not going to learn anything until you start moving. You have to be moving forward and having some momentum. And even if you bump yourself in the side and you turn a little too sharp here, you're soon going to realize the best way to get a flow is to actually be moving forward. So even if you make a mistake, you can say, okay, well, that didn't work. It's almost like to me, my vision of business is like playing bumper cars. You know, we drive along, oh, we bump into there, oh, we bump there, and eventually we kind of make our way down the path that we meant to, but you only know um, what you know once you've tried something. So I'm all for bootstrapping. Try an idea, test it, put your ear to the ground, ask questions, go out there and start networking, and really start to find out, you know, is this what the market wants? Because especially in the online model, um, I have clients that I work with that you know design courses and, and do um, product launches. And one of the lessons I learned from my own product launch failures is trying to build something hoping they will come. Now that old adage does not work anymore. You have to test it and a lot of the time it's pre-selling. So if you have an idea, like the likes of um, Go uh, GoFund campaigns. Mm -hmm. People then have an idea, they put out their idea to create a project or a product and they get paid first. What a clever idea, because soon you'll know before you spend any money, like you need to know, is, is there a market for it? Are people wanting this? And the, jo the, the, the great thing about that is once you know that if people buy into your idea, they're more than likely to, to really help you and promote you and then support your business when your, your business model is based on their feedback, especially if you're building an audience and a community and, you, and it's based on what people want. You know, I always always believe give them what they want and they'll pay you for it. Don't shove down their throat what you think they want because oftentimes it's not the same thing. Yeah, it, absolutely right. And I think that this has been such a great conversation that could easily go on for hours and hours because, I mean, we literally just built a business from nothing on the spot. Um, and one of my favorite books uh, when I was a kid growing up is called Something from Nothing. And so I'm a huge fan of, you know, having that creative ability to do so. Um, just curious, you know, for everybody listening in, if they want to learn more about you and, and your branding and marketing services, or even just want to follow some of your videos online, because I know that you have your own web TV show, uh, what's the best place for people to find that? Sure. The best place is to find me on my website, which is just like my name, mamikacooney.com, as an M-I-M-I-K-A-C-O-O-N-E-Y, like George Clooney, but without the L, I would say that. <laughs> Um, and I have a, a three-part video series called Designing Your Business Brand. You can grab that for free and it'll take you through um, the process that I do with my own clients through coaching and how to actually de decide who your client avatar is. So you can design that business model before you throw good money. And um, I also do, um, I have a free Facebook group. It's a closed group, but if you apply, I'll check you out, make sure that you're legit. And that is called Brand Story Marketing. 
um, if you just go forward slash groups and then look for Brand Story Marketing, we have almost 1,400 members in there, super engaged, super supportive, you know, helping people figure out their brand, helping you tell your story, and then helping you with marketing to get your message out there. And then I have um, uh, signature courses like confidentvideo.com is one of my recent um, products that we're launching. If you want to learn how to use video marketing better, and you can get also another free video series there at confidentvideo.com. And then um, I have my, my brand story marketing coaching course, which uh, is once a year in the beginning of the year. So, but yeah, the first place to go, my website, mamikacuni.com and connect with me there. Awesome. That sounds good. Well, Mamika, it's been great speaking with you and I definitely would love to stay in touch and uh, maybe we'll have to make that, that rowing center happen. Exactly. I'll have to come and help you cut the ribbon, right? Yes. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, thanks for being here and I'll talk to you soon. Take care. This episode of The Year of Purpose is brought to you by our brand new book, Life Rescripted. Find your purpose and design your dream life before the curtains close. If you want to be the first in line to receive a free digital copy from me, all you have to do is head on over to www.liferescriptedbook.com to find out more. I've discovered what I think is the world's most effective process to design your path in life. It'd be a shame if I didn't share it. In Life Rescripted, you will discover the number one strategy for determining your life purpose and how you can start a new path today. The 5X life hack rule for accomplishing your dreams and designing your life on your own terms five times faster. The ultimate solution for fear and how you can leverage it right now to make this year your best year yet and so much more. Reserve your spot in line to get a free copy at www.liferescriptedbook.com and I will see you in the next episode.